But like I said, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter uh, 4, starting in verse 13. And as you guys are looking there, um, in, in banking, I get a lot of requests for forgiveness. Quite a few people have made boo-boos with their arithmetic and have had an overdraft charge um, of one sort or another. And for those of you who don't know, I work in banking, been kind of on and off in that industry for about 14 years now. Um, as I uh, was sitting down with a fellow not too long ago, we were looking over his account, and you know, if someone is overdrawn, we will try to help out as best we can. We don't want someone to, to not be able to pay a bill or not be able to do this or, or, or go buy groceries or whatever they need to. And, and so we were looking over his transaction history, trying to figure out when did he get overdrawn, what happened. Um, and I said, well, you know, there are some things in here that, that you know, we probably ought to talk about. And, well, well, like what? Well, you know, this, this when... You paid this big bill first, and so it caused you to be overdrawn. Oh, okay, I can work on some timing. Well, that's good, that's good. And then we got to looking at his television use, and you're thinking, what does that have to do with his bank account? Well, he was paying for cable. He was paying for Internet. He was paying for Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime. And uh, I said, you know, you might want to cut back to, say, just one of those. There's only so many hours in the day that you can watch TV anyway. And, uh, but he was really hoping for some, some more forgiveness than I was able to provide for his five television services. Um, but isn't that how we go through life sometimes? What seems normal to us, you know, uh, you go home, watch TV or do whatever else. Sometimes we need to ask for forgiveness. Sometimes those little things add up and we, we cut God out. Sometimes those things just come up in life and, and we find ourselves in situations where we need to ask for forgiveness or just our culture needs to ask for forgiveness. And, and when, as Brian was talking about the vital signs of a healthy church last week, um, and I was listening to him on, online because we were down in, in, in kids' church, uh, or Trails Kids last week, which now that I'm sick, I, that maybe that's where I got it from. Anyways, but that's the first line of germ warfare right there as a little kid. I want a hug. Oh, thanks. You know, but anyways. Uh, but I was listening to him talk about vital statistics, and I thought about forgiveness and how important that is, especially for the young man I mentioned, how important it was for him to pay his bills, how important forgiveness was to him. And I helped him out a little bit, not as much as he wanted, but I helped him out some. But how important it is for all of us, how, how important forgiveness is to be able to say, hey, I'm sorry, to, to get that off your chest, to get that out of your life, because it will just sit there and fester and fester like other things may sit and fester and fester. But anyway, let's read on here, uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 13. I think I got to 16, and we'll kind of come back through. Uh, 13, uh, no creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to the confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. As we look at, at the, this first verse here, verse 13, no creature is hidden from him. No man, no angel, no demon. There is nothing hidden from God. We like to think everything is hidden. I have some people that come by the bank and they tell me how off the grid they are. As they hand me their debit card so I can look them up. Because it's got their name on it, right? No, it's your debit card. 
I know where you went, how often you went there, and by guessing by how much money you spent, I know how long you spent in that facility. Nothing's hidden anymore. If you write a check, that's, it goes through the Federal Reserve System. If, if you have a credit card, a debit card, if you have a lot of cash, it came from somewhere, somebody wrote that down. We all like to think that we are hidden. But like it says in verse 13, no creature is hidden from him. But um, things uh, are, are naked and exposed to the eyes of him. All things, good, bad, ugly, great successes, nothing's really hidden anyway. Between YouTube, cell phones, uh, checks, debit card, tax returns, and the Nielsen TV ratings, everything's documented in different ways. Every once in a while, someone will come by the bank and tell me how they, uh, how they made a little side money, and one gal showed me the pager. I was like, what are you doing with a pager? Oh, it's, it, it tells... I tell, the, I tell the pager what channel I'm watching and, and they'll send me a check for my Nielsen ratings and, it, and tells, her what, what t- tells the Nielsen people what TV she's, show she's watching. We tell people what we're up to these days. You can go on YouTube, people check in, and we check in here and that's not a bad thing. Please check in, let everybody know you're at church and let that be a witness to them. But, but all that information is just out there. Nothing is hidden. All things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him. Him to whom we must give an account. Must give an account. Not if we want to give an account. Not because we want to look good in the eyes of the congregation or our friends or our family, wife, parents, children, whoever. We will give an account. No subpoena needed, no search warrant. God will know. We all have have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And according to Revelation, we'll all stand before God and give an account of what we've done, either with our gifts or with our sin. He'll want to know. And we'll, we'll, we'll tell him. We won't really have to tell him. He'll just tell us. And we as believers know this. We believe this. Now, it's a hard problem for the lost world to, to really wrap their mind around. Because, well, I'm not that bad. I've never killed anybody. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I'm not a Ted Bundy. I'm not a... Dave Krasinski, I'm not a Unabomber, I'm not this, I'm not that. Um, we all make excuses, and the lost world is just as, as bad about that. We have to help them understand all that's been exposed anyway. You know, well, I, then, you, then God knows everything, He knows how terrible I am. He does, He loves you still. He loves you so much. He paid the price. How do you know He loves you? He paid the price on the cross for our sins. He looked at all the sin Matt Green did and said, yes, which direction is Golgotha? Which way is the cat of nine tails coming? I'll lean in. He he looked at Matt Green and from way back then said, yes, I want that. Give me that fella right there. All right, well, if, if all things are exposed, then aren't we all on the same playing field? Well, yeah, we are. But verse 14 there, uh, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to the confession. Who can give forgiveness? It's Jesus Christ. He is our great high priest. And what is the role of the high priest? Going to test your Levitical and Deuteronical, Deuteronical? Deuteronomy knowledge, anyway. You know, when, when they had that great high priest, what was his job? His job was to go into the Holy of Holies behind the curtain, and put the blood on the, on the mercy seat of God, of God himself. And they put bells on them 
if you remember, if you read, read back through Leviticus, they put bells on him. You know why they put bells on him? Because God might strike him dead because he wasn't clean. And if the bells quit jingling, you grabbed a hold of the rope. They tied a rope to him. You grabbed a hold of the rope, you pull him out. You're going after him because God just struck him. He might be mad at you too. Jesus Christ is that great high priest to go behind the curtain, to go into the presence of God that we ourselves cannot go to. It's always fun to read about Moses, right? And Moses said, God, I got to see you. We're up here on the mountain. You give me the Ten Commandments. I've got to see you. God tells him, you cannot look at me. Tell you what, I'll hide you in the rock and I'll pass by and you can peek out and you can see my back. And that's as much as you can handle. That's as much of the holy presence of God as anyone's been able to handle. And Moses was changed radically for that. If you remember correctly, he wore a veil later on because he glowed from being in the presence of God. Just freaked the, the children of Israel out. They were like, I, don't know, I can't talk to you, Moses. You're, you're glowing. You know, they held, they could have, he was the, the, the ultimate magistrate. So they could hold court any time of day because he could just take the veil off and light up the room. And that really just made some people panic. But Jesus Christ is that great high priest for us now. He's going to make atonement for us. He has passed through the heavens. He has walked in the presence of God. Not like Moses just looking out. He is there. How can he see stronger than Moses? Stronger than the lawgiver? He sees because he is the same thing. He is the Son of God. So let us hold fast to the confession. What confession? That Jesus is the Son of God. I really enjoy Isaiah 53. And that's we quote that every time we talk about uh, I'm not answering a phone call. Hold on a second. It's faster if I look it up this way. And I can make the print bigger because I got my Bible wet and it shrank. That's oh, a bad joke. I, I, only got, I only got preacher jokes. I don't have anything else. All right, verse, uh, Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 6. But he was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way. And the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. He took all that upon himself. Well, who can do that? I can't take on the sins of Lauren. I can't take on the sins of Debbie. I can't take on the sins of, of Joe or anybody. I got enough sin of my own. How can anybody take that on unless he was perfect? Well, who can be perfect? Just Jesus Christ, just the Son of God. That is the confession we are to hold fast to. Jesus is the purpose uh, for all that. I mean, and I've shared with this with numerous people, the sacrifice system was not meant to work to last forever anyway. It's just not feasible. There's not enough sheep to go around. You know, even back in the day, they, they would group, do groups, do family groups. By the time we get to Jesus and they're in a the temple, do family groups. And can you imagine how much blood there would have been? Where would you do it all? Where, where would you put all that? I mean, it's just amazing to think that that, that was that some people thought that was going to last forever. We needed a supernatural sacrifice, one that could last and last and last, and that's Jesus Christ. And why do we need that? Because we need forgiveness. We can't fix that any other way. All right, so that's who can give forgiveness. Well, who can get forgiveness? Uh, verse 15 here. <clears throat> For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. 
Well, who can get forgiveness? Everybody. One that you don't know what I've done. You know, I don't. I really don't. But God does. He knows what we've been through. He knows the, the, the baggage um, that, that we've, uh, in, that we've labeled ourselves with and, and laden ourselves with. And uh, I thought as we were looking and been studying in Genesis in Sunday school, um, we got to have a good time with Genesis chapter 42. And uh, I'm going to read some of that, and we'll go through it really rather quickly because I want to move on. Um, verse 21, this is Genesis 42, verse 21. And the brothers have shown up in Egypt, and there's Joseph. He's already in charge of everything. And, uh, and they're talking amongst themselves. And uh, verse 21, then they said to each other, obviously we are being punished for what we did to our brother, to Joseph. We saw his deep distress when he pleaded with us, but we would not listen. That is why this trouble has come to us. But Reuben replied, didn't I tell you not to harm the boy, but you wouldn't listen. Now we must account for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph understood them since there was an interpreter between them. He turned away from them and wept. Then he turned back and spoke to them. He took Simeon from them and had him bound before their eyes. Joseph then gave orders to fill their containers with grain, return each man's money to his sack, and give them provisions for their journey. The order was carried out. Uh, verse 27, at the place where they lodged for the night, one of them opened his sack to get feed for his donkey. He saw his money was there at the top of the bag. He said to his brothers, my money has been returned. It's here in the bag. Their hearts sank because they think they've, they've stolen. Trembling, they turned to one another and said, what is this that God has done to us? When they reached their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him all that happened to them. The man said, who is the Lord of the country? Oh, I lost my fire. Uh, they said to, to him, to Jacob, the man who was Lord of the country spoke harshly to us and accused us of spying. Um, but we told him we are honest, honest men and not spies. We're 12 brothers, son of the same father. One is no longer living and the youngest is now with our father in the land of Canaan. What's the purpose of that little story? As you look through there, there's so much baggage in that one little chapter. When someone says, you know, I don't know if I'm clean enough to come to your church. I don't know if I'm clean enough to get to, to God. I don't know if I, it, it, you don't know what I've done. I don't. Let me read you just the second half of Genesis chapter 42. As we start off, verse 21, they said to each other, obviously we're being punished for what we did to our brother. Now, if you remember right, the plan was to kill Joseph. And then Reuben spoke up and said, no, no, don't kill him. Throw him in the well. So they did that. And then... Uh, I think Judah spoke up and said, no, we're going to sell him to the Ishmaelites, enemies of our father Isaac, or enemies of our grandfather Isaac. Sell him off to them. So they, they're, they're dealing with their own guilt. Joseph is standing there saying, or Reuben turns on everybody and says, didn't I tell you not to kill him? Now we're being punished. So we've got some, some they plan to kill their brother. They're feeling guilty about it. Reuben, they're turning on each other. And then verse 23, they didn't realize Joseph understood everything. He turned from them and wept. Um, and then he took Simeon and bound Simeon before their eyes. And he eventually sends them home. You go get Benjamin and you come back and I'll let you have Simeon back. But you got to bring back your other brother. Well, if you read on, they go home with their money. And they think they've stolen. So they're, they're dealing with, with guilt. They, they're dealing with that the, they think they killed their brother. Or at least they sold him off into slavery. And now uh, they left a brother behind in jail. And then they, uh, they, it looks like they stole all their money back from the Egyptians, from this guy who spoke harshly to them, who happens to be the brother that they tried to kill and throw into a well and sold off into slavery. And then you get to, uh, to get the next chapter. And after they ran out of food, they go back. 
Well, that sounds great until you realize Simeon's been sitting in jail the whole time. You know, they didn't drive back to Israel. They rode their camels and donkeys back. It wasn't like it was a two-day trip. It took some time. And where is Simeon? Sitting in jail. And they didn't just go back and talk to dad and go, oh my gosh, this is what happened. No, they stayed there and ate for a while. Left the poor guy there. There's so much baggage. You're going to leave a brother in jail. We're going to throw, sell a brother. We're going to kill him. No, let's not kill a brother. Let's throw him in the pit. No, let's, let's get him out of the pit. Let's sell him. So much crazy baggage. You don't know what I've done. I don't. But this is the family of God. You know, when Jesus says to the, to the Sadducees, because they didn't believe in the resurrection, you know, they were sad, you see. That's how you remember that, Sadducees and Pharisees. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection because they were sad. Anyway, um, uh, he says, don't you know that God is the God of the living, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? A pillar of the faith, a pillar of, of, of what we understand to be, to be our beliefs. You know, we teach all kinds of stories about Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. You know, we talk about Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lion of the tribe of the guy who, who sold his brother off into slavery. There's all kinds of baggage in that one little chapter. So when someone tells you, you don't understand all the stuff I've done, let me read to you what one of the pillars of our faith has done. What his kids have been up to? Jesus knows. He is the high priest who is able to sympathize with our weakness, who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. You know, when Jesus comes along and uh, he goes to meet John the Baptist for the first time, they go and they baptize him, pull him up out of the water. What happens next? They go off into the wilderness. He gets tested by Satan. Jesus was tested, tempted by Satan 40 days after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, yet he did not sin. Do you really think that that was the only time Satan showed up? He did his little bit there and was like, oh, shucks, we lost this one. No, I bet he showed up every week. Every time the apostles got mouthy, every time Peter got mouthy, there's Satan in the background. Neener, neener, neener. But he's there. He's tempting over and over again. Satan works us over so much. But we have a great high priest who understands. He is watching out for us so much. He walks with us and he talks with us and he leads us along the way, if you remember the old hymn. Um, we were having kind of a cheap date night last night, and we watched YouTube videos. That's cheap date night, pizza and YouTube videos. And uh, we, were, we were looking up Mark Lowry because he'll make you laugh. So. And, and Mark, um, of course, was in the Gaither Vocal Band. And, you know, when you think about a good church choir group, that, that's them, you know. And then there was an ad for a movie by Russ Taff. I don't know if you know Russ. I didn't know this at all. Um, Russ um, was not, is a recovering alcoholic. And Russ is one of them four fellows that always sang. And I don't remember their names. I remember that one dude that had all the hair. Even Gray had all that hair. And he's, he's in that crowd, that, little, that group, that quartet. Russ Taft of the Gaither Vocal Band released a movie October 30th called Russ Taft, I Still Believe, documenting his struggle with alcoholism. While he was touring with the Gaithers, Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith, he was as toasty as could be. When people tell me, you don't know what I've been through, it doesn't matter. Jesus loves you. 
When we look at the vital sign of the church, forgiveness needs to be a keystone. That needs to be the flag that we wave because there's so many people out there that are just, they're, they're stuck in Genesis 42. You don't know what I've done. I don't. It doesn't matter. Jesus loves you. But you don't understand. Let me read to you what this one family's been through. Well, that was back then. Let me tell you about Russ Taft's movie. Well, you don't understand. Let me tell you about Matt Green and pornography. That's how I dealt with all kinds of crap in the Navy. You get fed up with something, let's go look up some porn. You know, I still go to meetings. I'm so blessed to have, have a group here at church that I can rely on and lean on. Because not everybody's got that. And I've been to other meetings at other churches and other functions, and people are just dying. Just, you, you listen to the stories, and they're just, they're crashing and burning. And, and they don't understand why they're stuck in Genesis 42. They stole from Egypt. They've, they've killed a brother. They sold him off into slavery. Don't you understand how screwed up I am? Jesus does. He was tempted. You know Satan didn't just go, Oh, golly, you beat me on three tries and I'm out. Shoot, no, he showed up every week. He hung out with Peter. He hung out with, with Paul. He was there tempting. And Jesus, when he looks at us, he looks, he knows what you've been through. At some of the meetings, you can tell when somebody's lying, you just hear it. And I've never done it because I don't feel that comfortable. I've had one of the other sponsors go up to somebody and say, I, thank you for sharing. Why don't you try it again? Because he knows. Jesus knows. He's heard it all. He's listening to you. He's listening to your heart, even stuff you ain't speaking. They ain't spoke of Joseph in years. And then there he is. And it's all going to come out. He is our great high priest. Who can get forgiveness? Everybody. Because Jesus knows what you've done. Verse 16. How do I get forgiveness? Pardon me. Verse 16. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. How do I get forgiveness? Approach the throne of grace with boldness. Approach God. I am a sinner. One of my favorite stories in the New Testament. You know, the, the Pharisees stand up there at the, uh, in the temple. Oh, Father. Please, thank you for, for, for making me who I am. And, and thank you, I'm not like that tax collector over there. And there he is. Oh, Father, forgive me. A sinner, forgive me. We all need that. Just to approach Jesus and say, forgive me. Forgive me. That sounds kind of bold just to walk up to somebody and say, I'm screwed up. And he says, there in you know black and white approach the throne of grace with boldness and if you get a king james it might say something else but it's the same idea approach that throne the throne on earth no no you can't find forgiveness down here whether you're republican or democrat or independent there's crazy people in washington i'm not going to ask them for forgiveness they need to come and ask me they need to come and ask mike for forgiveness at least write him a big check for back pay no one on earth can truly help. You cannot find forgiveness on the shelf at Walmart. It's not there. High V, Kroger's, it don't matter. You cannot find forgiveness there. We must approach the throne of grace with, with boldness. God's throne. 
that we may receive mercy and find grace and help, help for us at the proper time. Why, why on earth do they need to describe it three different ways? That we may receive mercy, forgiveness for all the crazy things you've done. Forgiveness for everything that you might need to go to a meeting for. And if you've never been to one, my name is Matt. I'm a sinaholic, and welcome to the meeting. We all need that forgiveness for all the crazy things we've done in the past. And to find grace for forgiveness in the present. Because there's stuff you're going to do this week, and you're, as soon as those words leave your lips... You know that it was the wrong word. No question, no, oh my God, what was I thinking? Just, it, it's there. Or all the stuff that you did last week or last year, all the things that you regret, the, oh, I was going to do that. Oh, cred. We need to find grace. That's why he describes it three, three different ways, I think. That you may receive mercy to the past, find grace for the present, and help for the proper time, forgiveness for the future. Because I'm going to do it again. I'm such a sinner. But Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And we need to approach that throne in grace and ask and beg for forgiveness. And he'll grant it. He'll give it. That's a vital sign of the church when we feel good. Because that's what the lost world is just dying to find. Whether it be financial or, or marital or, or, or however you want to describe it, there's an issue that people are facing and they desperately need forgiveness. And we need to tell them that they can approach the throne boldly. No, you don't understand all the craziness I've done. I don't. But if you had a fire in your house, you'd call 911. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> and you wouldn't say, hey, if you guys got time, can you stop by later? <coughs> you'd call 911, send a fire truck right now. <coughs> Bring every engine you can. You'd call them up being excited. You'd be bold about your request. We need to be bold about our forgiveness, our need for forgiveness. <coughs> And bold about your sickness. And if you feel bad, you need to go home and take something like I'm going to do. <clears throat> um, but we need that forgiveness. When, I, when Brian mentioned the vital signs of the church, how important that is. Now, we're going to get ready to have an altar call. <clears throat> and if the musicians want to come, I will not meet you down front. It's probably not safe. So, Brother Darren, if you could meet with anybody who comes up front, I'd really appreciate it. But if you need some forgiveness, if you don't know what the vital signs are in your life, then you come forward. You talk to Brother Darren. You can message me later on Facebook, and I will try to respond. Don't do it now. Don't shake my hand. And if I shook your hand, I'm sorry. I asked for your forgiveness already because I'm fighting something. But God loves you. He desires to grant you forgiveness. He is that high priest. And if you need something, you come forward today. Let us pray. Father God, we come forward we come before you today. We approach the throne of grace and boldness. Father, we are screwed up. We are at our Sinaholics meeting, and we need you to come down and be that higher power that we can rely on that will grant us the forgiveness that will be everything that we need, Father. Thank you for all that you have done for us. And in Jesus' name I pray. And God's people said, amen.